نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله Glory the praise belongs to Allah we praise him seek his assistance and forgiveness and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds whoever Allah guides there is no one that can lead him astray and whoever Allah leads astray there is no one that can guide him I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshiped except Allah alone and that he has no partners or associates and I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his slave servant and his messenger bi idnillahi ta'ala in this lecture number 35 which is the last lecture of this section before we prepare by reviewing for the examination we will take the chapter which al-imam muhammad ibn abdul wahhab ibn sulaiman at-tamimi an-najdi rahimahullah has entitled bab man jahada shay'an min al-asma'i wa-sifati this chapter taking from kitab at-tawheed الذي هو حق الله على العبيد is an important chapter which books have been written about this subject alone that is the tawhid of asma of Allah and sifatih Al-Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab rahimahullah entitled the chapter man jahada shay'an whoever has rejected or denied something min al-asma wa-sifat from the names and characteristics he means by al-asma wa-sifat asma'ullah wa-sifatihi the names of Allah and his divine characteristics or qualities or attributes whoever denies rejects disbelieves in any one of the names or the characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that have been confirmed in the Quran on the authentic text of the sunnah of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam then what is the ruling concerning them the imam rahimahullah has not mentioned what is the ruling but as we look at the evidences we will see what is the ruling concerning the person who denies anything from the lofty names of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his noble characteristics before mentioning the evidences which the imam has mentioned in this brief chapter due to the fact that the evidence is a few it is an opportunity for us to take some brief comments from some of the scholars other than al-sheikh al-qara'awi hafizahullah whose explanation we have been following the first comment that i want to make is just a brief summary of some of the important principles or rules related to tawhid 
Al-Asma wa Sifat. And although this topic is very important and it requires a lengthy discussion, it will be beneficial at least to mention some of those important rules even without a thorough explanation. Sheikh Muhammad ibn Sa'id al-Uthaymeen, rahimahullah, may Allah have mercy on him, in his explanation of Lumat al-Atiqad, which we have previously studied, in the introduction to his explanation of that book, he mentioned some important principles related to Tawheed al-Asma wa Sifat. The Tawheed related to the names and characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this Tawheed, it is an acknowledgement and a confession and an admission that these divine names and qualities are the exclusive right of Allah alone and there's nothing in the creation that is similar to Allah or equal to Allah or comparable to Allah in these names that he has been named by on these characteristics that he has been described by. The meaning of Tawheed, Asma, Illahi, wa Sifatihi, it means to single out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with those names, Al-Asma, Al-Husna, that he has named himself by. And those characteristics, Al-Sifat Al-Uliya, which he has described himself by, or which the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has described him with. To single him out for these names, and these characteristics that he alone can be named by them with the meaning of perfection and he alone can be described by them with the meaning of perfection. The first rule that the Shaykh mentions is a general rule. What is the rule in reference to the text of Quran and Sunnah? What is obligatory on the believer in face of the text, any text that came in the Quran and the Sunnah containing names of Allah or his characteristics? It is obligatory that a believer understand the text that came in the Qur'an and the Sunnah as it is understood according to its literal meaning. Yani without making any interpretation or transformation of its meaning. It is obligatory to take those texts as they are literally on face value without changing them in any way. And this is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed the Qur'an in clear Arabic language. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he spoke in clear Arabic language. Therefore, it is obligatory to leave the indication of the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the speech of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as they are in that language that they were revealed in without making any change from its apparent meaning. And whoever makes a change in its apparent meaning, then that person has spoken about Allah without knowledge and that is haram the second principle that the shaykh mentioned and of course he gave explanation and examples of this but we are just mentioning it in brief the second principle is related to the names of Allah specifically what is our any view or position related to asma Allah the names of Allah and he said the principle or the qaida related to asma of Allah it has subdivisions the first of them he said asma Allah that the names of Allah, all of them are husna, all of them are good names, names of perfection. They have no defect or shortcoming in them. And this is based on the saying of Allah in Surah Al-A'raf, verse 180, All of the names of Allah, any name that is truly a name of Allah, it has to include the meaning of goodness and perfection. The second point he makes 
that Asma'ullah Ghayra Mahsura Bi'adad Mu'ayyin That the names of Allah are not limited to a particular number As is believed by many Muslims today That Allah has only 99 names and The second principle related to the names of Allah Is that the names of Allah are not limited to a particular number And the proofs of this are many The first of what he mentions And it is a clear proof about which there is no doubt He mentions the hadith of the supplication of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, in which he said, "As'aluka, as'aluka, Allahumma bi kulli ism huwa lak." I ask you or supplicate to you by every name that belongs to you. Sammeta bihi nafsak that you have named yourself with. Aw anzaltahu fi kitabik or you have revealed in your book. That means the Quran. Aw alamtahu ahdan min khalqik or any name that you have informed or taught anyone from amongst your creatures, your creatures. Or that which you have kept secret in the knowledge of the unseen, what you have kept for yourself. If we look at these divisions of the names that the Prophet ﷺ mentioned for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he said from amongst those names or that which Allah has named himself with, and that which Allah has revealed in his book, and that which Allah has taught to any one of his creatures, and all of these are known to someone. But the last category, that which Allah has kept for himself in the knowledge of the unseen. No one knows these names except Allah. Therefore, this is the proof that the names of Allah are not limited to 99. The 99 names are possible to know. Because the Prophet ﷺ even said that Allah has many names from amongst them are 99. Whoever memorized them and preserved them, then he will enter paradise. So, this is the second point. The third point is Asma'ullah la tuthbit bil'aql wa innama tuthbit bil'shara that the names of Allah are not confirmed by the intellect but they are confirmed by the revelation by the Qur'an or the Sunnah yani the names of Allah are tawqifiyah we cannot accept anything as a name for Allah except that it has the proof from the Qur'an or from the authentic Sunnah the fourth principle under the names of Allah is that all of the names يعني كل اسم من أسماء الله فإنه يدل على ذات الله وعلى الصفة التي تضمنها وعلى الأثر المترتب عليها إن كان متعديا يعني the last point that he mentions here is that all of the names of Allah point to at least two things they point to Allah's person his divine being يعني every name that is truly a name of Allah if you use that name you will be calling on Allah himself it indicates Allah's divine being and as well, it also indicates a sifa, a characteristic that is contained in that name. Yani every one of the names of Allah contain a characteristic, and therefore, every name of Allah, it is not only a name, but it is also a characteristic. Some of the scholars said that Asma Allah, that they are Asma and Awsaf, Awsaf. They are names that He is called by, all of them pointing to Him, and they also contain characteristics which differ one from another. Yani Al-Alim, it points to Allah, and Al-Hakim points to Allah. In terms of they're indicating Allah's divine being, they are equal. However, in terms of the characteristics that they contain, Al-Alim points to the characteristic of Ilm, and Al-Hakim points to the characteristic of wisdom. And some of the names of Allah are limited to Himself, and some of them affect the creatures. And this is the third point, yani related to this last principle. The next point that he mentions is the qaida related to the sifat of Allah, and the characteristics or qualities of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he mentions four points under this general rule of the sifat of Allah. The first of them is that the sifat of Allah 
كلها عليا. All of the names of Allah are exalted and lofty. All of them indicate perfection and are praiseworthy. And none of them contain any aspect of imperfection in any way whatsoever. And this is based on the saying of Allah in Surah Al-Nahl, verse 60, وَلِلَّهِ الْمَثَلُ الْأَعْلَى That Al-Mathal here it means a stiffer that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is the one who is entitled to. And He is the one that the most high characteristics belong to. So that every characteristic that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is described by, it is a lofty characteristic which is, it, which is in the highest degree of perfection and it is a praiseworthy characteristic. The second point is that the sifat of Allah are divided into two divisions. Sifat of Allah, تنقسم إلى قسمين ثبوتية وسلبية. The sifat of Allah are divided into those which are ثبوتية, يعني they are confirmed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or by his prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and those salbiya which are things that are negated from him, that he has negated from himself. And he has confirmed for himself, for example, al-hayat, life, and al-ilm, and al-khudra, knowledge, and power. And he has negated from himself, for example, al-zulm, or al-naum, or al-maut. And Allah subhanahu wa he doesn't die, he doesn't sleep, he doesn't commit any injustice. So the, the sifat of Allah are divided into two, these two divisions those which are confirmed for him, which are characteristics of perfection, and those which are negated from him, which are characteristics of imperfection. The third point is that the sifat of Allah, of the first type, as subutiyah, which are affirmed for him, are further divided into two types, zatiyah and fi'liyah. Those which are confirmed for him, the characteristics of perfection, are also of two types, zatiyah, that which is related to his divine being, that which is never separated from him, such as his hearing and his seeing and his knowledge, it's something that is a part of his divine being and it's never separated from him. Whereas the fi'liyah are those things which are related to his mashiyah, to his will. And those things which he does, his actions, which he does whenever he wills, such as descending to the lowest heaven or ascending above the throne and so on. The fourth point that he mentions is related to the sifat of Allah, that there are three questions that we may consider in reference to them, are they real, haqiqiyah? And the answer is indeed, the sifat of Allah are real. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described himself with them, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he doesn't play. The second point is, is it permissible to explain the how of them? And the answer is no, it is not permissible. Although we know the meaning of his characteristics as it is understood in the Arabic language, however, the reality of the how of Allah's ascension or his dissension uh, descending and so on is only known to Allah. Yani we don't know the reality of Allah's divine being and likewise we don't know the reality of his characteristics but we know the meaning of them that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has knowledge and that Allah has power and that Allah is just and so on. The last principle that he mentions is how to refute those who negate or deny the divine characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he mentions number one that we argue with them that their reinterpretation or distortion of the meanings that are clearly understood in the Arabic language is contrary to the clear meaning of the text that came in the speech of Allah, the Quran, and the explanations of the Prophet ﷺ in the authentic hadith. Number two, that their explanations are contrary to the explanation and understanding of the Salaf of this Ummah, that is the first generation of the Muslims, the Sahaba, radiallahu anhum ajma'in, and the Tabi'un and those who came after them as they understood them just as they were 
literally in the Arabic language. And number three, those interpretations that these people who have deviated have given, all of their interpretations are without any evidence or any proof. So these are quickly some of the important principles that should be considered in reference to Tawheed al-Asma wa sifat the Tawheed of the beautiful names of Allah and His lofty characteristics. The second uh, note that I want to read is from the comments, the Ta'aliq, Ta'aliq al-Mufid ala Kitab al-Tawheed by Shaykh Abdulaziz ibn Abdullah ibn Baz. Rahimahullah, may Allah have mercy on him. In his comment on this chapter of Kitab al-Tawheed, he says that the author in this chapter intended to clarify that it is obligatory, that it is wajib to confirm the names of Allah and his characteristics in a way that is suitable to his majesty and his glory. Without tahrif, without distorting their meaning with reinterpretation, and without ta'afil, without emptying, of their, emptying them of their meaning, and he claiming that we don't know their meaning or that they have no meaning, that they are just expressions, without taqyif, explaining the how of it or attempting to explain the how of the reality of Allah's actions or His characteristics or qualities, and without tamfil, without making examples for them, and comparing them to anything in the creation. He also said in his commentaries, in his commentary or his comments concerning this matter, he said that the companions of the Prophet ﷺ and before them, the messengers and prophets of Allah when they came to the people, they described to the people Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's characteristics and they understood them as they were literally without any explanation. They confirmed them just as they were and they, and this was in accordance, for example, with what came in the Qur'an in Surah Al-Ikhlas وَلَمْ يَكُنْ لَهُ كُفُوًا أَحَدٍ And there is no one that is equal or similar or comparable to him. Yani whatever we understand of the characteristics of Allah, then indeed similar expressions when they are used for the creatures are not similar to Allah. Yani the creatures see, but their seeing is not like the seeing of Allah. And the creatures hear, but their hearing is not like the hearing of Allah. And creatures have knowledge, but it's not like the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Likewise, the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, فَلَا تَضْرِبُوا لِلَّهِ الْأَمْثَالِ Don't make examples for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Don't try to make something as an example to describe Allah because parables or examples or comparisons are not fitting and suitable for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And also he mentioned the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِهِ شَيْءٌ وَهُوَ السَّمِيرُ الْبَقِيرُ That there is nothing like him while he is the one as-samir, the one who has perfect hearing, and Al-Baqiyah, the one who has perfect seeing. Yani in this ayat, the principle, another principle which the Shaykh didn't mention in the introduction, is the principle in the Tawheed of Asma wa Sifat, that it requires two things. One of them is negation, and the other of them is affirmation. And nafi well, it's that, and we see here in this ayat that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has established this principle, and nafi first negating that there's anything like him, laysa kamithlihi shay'un, there's nothing like him, and then affirmation, al-ithbat, wa huwa samir basir, while he is the one who is all-hearing and all-knowing. And this is similar uh, in Tawheed al-Ubudiyya to the kalima of Tawheed, la ilaha illallah, and the beginning of that expression, la ilaha illallah, is negation. La ilaha, there is nothing that deserves to be worshipped, illallah, except Allah, which is al-ithbat or affirmation. So this is also an important principle. Finally, the Shaykh said that... Uh, it is obligatory, I mean, that 
the, the author has not mentioned in the introduction or in the heading of this chapter, he has not mentioned the ruling of those who deny any of the names or characteristics of Allah. However, he said, وَحُكْمُهُ الْكُفْرِ and that whoever outright denies a name of Allah or a characteristic of Allah that is confirmed in the Quran or authentic Sunnah, not reinterpreting it. And reinterpret, reinterpretation is a type of yani negation. But we mean absolute negation. Yani denying, for example, absolutely that Allah has a face. If somebody reinterprets it, it is also wrong. But it is not equal to the one who outright denies it. Absolute negation, it is kufr that takes a person out of Islam. Perhaps we will stop here. And if there is time at the end, also read from the commentary of Shaykh Abdurrahman al-Sa'adi. Rahimahullah. But... For fear of lack of time, I will stop and go to the evidences of Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab rahimahullah. And the first evidence that he mentions is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Ra'ad, chapter 13, verse 30. That like, likewise we have sent you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying to the Prophet likewise we have sent you, missioned you as a messenger at a time period in the history of man, or to a group from amongst the groups of people, fi ummatin, because ummah has both of these meanings, as well as other meanings. It means a certain time period, and it also means a particular group of people. Indeed, we have sent you, fi ummah, yani, at a time period, and to a particular people, qad khalat min qabliha umm, and indeed, before them, before that ummah that you have been sent to, other nations before them have passed away. In order to read to them or to recite to them That which we have revealed to you And he has been sent to recite to them the revelation That has been revealed to him That is Al-Quran In order to guide them and to save them From the destruction of the next life Even though the Prophet ﷺ have been sent to guide the people with revelation But in spite of that they disbelieved in Ar-Rahman Here the meaning of disbelief in Ar-Rahman, it means disbelief in that name, which is one of the names of Allah. This ism from the Asma'ullah Ar-Rahman, the disbelievers, the pagans of Quraysh, they disbelieved in it. They didn't, disbe- they didn't mean by it disbelief in Allah, although they were pagan disbelievers, but they meant by it disbelief in that particular name. They rejected that name. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described it as kufr. وَهُمْ يَكْفُرُونَ بِالرَّحْمَانِ yani Their denial of the name Ar-Rahman it is an act of kufr that takes a person out of Islam. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala closes this ayah by saying to the Prophet, Qul huwa rabbi la ilaha illa huwa alayhi tawakkaltu wa ilayhi matab. Say to them, huwa rabbi, he is my Lord. And this is the indication of tawheed al-rububiyyah. Huwa rabbi, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who has created us and brought us into this world and who has sustained us by his blessings. قُلْ هُوَ رَبِّي لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا هُوَ And there is no ilah, there is nothing, يعني معبود, بحق, there is nothing that deserves to be worshipped except him. لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا هُوَ is the same meaning of لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ يعني negation and affirmation, that there is nothing that deserves to be worshipped except him, meaning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and this is the affirmation of Tawheed, Al-Uluhiyyah, that he is the only one, لَا إِلَهَ, he is the only ilah that deserves to be worshipped. Alayhi tawakkaltu. And on him I rely. On him I put my trust and depend upon him. And as tawakkul, as we discussed in one of the earlier chapters, it is a form of 
ibadah. He is the only one that deserves to be worshipped. Therefore, I offer ibadah to him alone. And here the ibadah that he is talking about is putting his trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and relying upon him. Wa ilayhi matab. And to him I return or turn back to him with tawbah, repentance, the original meaning of this expression, matabi. Yani matab here, it refers primarily to tawbah. And then it also refers to any other act of worship that may be offered to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Or turning to Allah for one's needs. The Shaykh says, concerning this ayat, the Shaykh al-Qur'awi, Hafidhullah, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informs us in this ayat, that he has sent his messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to this ummah to bring them out of darkness into light. And the reason why the, why the revelation is revealed is to take the people out of darkness, out of kufr and out of shirk and out of yani, evil and corruption and deviation and bring them to the light of Islam, to the way of the Qur'an. Just as he has sent to the previous nation. Yani, he has sent the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to this ummah as he has sent prophets to the previous nations with the same objective. And he also informs us in this ayat that it is the responsibility of his messenger Muhammad to deliver what has been revealed to him. Yani the message that has been revealed to him, even if the disbelievers deny what he has come with, even if they deny and negate the names of Allah and his characteristics, and that it is upon him to continue to announce the tawheed and to depend upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in all of his affairs and to turn to his Lord Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in everything uh, of importance. The Shaykh mentioned here five fawaid, five benefits that may be derived from this ayah. The first of them is that whoever denies, rejects or negates anything of the names of Allah or his characteristics that is his kufr, his disbelief. It takes a person out of Islam. And again, I want to re-emphasize the difference between outright negation, denying it outright, and reinterpretation, which is also wrong, but it is a lesser yani, act. Number two, the affirmation of a name from amongst the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yani, that name, Ar-Rahman, is confirmed in this ayat. And this name comprises a characteristic of Allah that is Ar-Rahmah, yani mercy. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when it is confirmed that of his name is Ar-Rahman, and it is a name that we call him by, and he is identified by, likewise we understand that the sifa, which is derived from that name, Ar-Rahmah, it is a characteristic of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that he is merciful in a way that is suitable and fitting to his majesty, his greatness, and his glory. Number three, the obligation of tawakkul, yani of reliance and putting one's trust, trust in Allah to the exclusion of anyone besides him. And also the obligation of tawbah, turning back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yani repenting to him when one has disobeyed him. Repentance is for Allah alone to the exclusion of anyone besides him. And number five, the clarification that each of these, a tawakkul and a tawbah, reliance on Allah and repentance to Him, that each of these are types of ibadah, worship. The relationship of this ayat to the chapter under discussion, yani those who negate any of the names or characteristics of Allah, and its relationship to the general topic of a tawheed, is that this ayat, it points out that the rejection of any of the names or characteristics of Allah, it is kufr, and that it is a negation 
يعني it is that which nullifies the tawheed of asma wa sifat يعني when a person negates or rejects or denies any of the names or characteristics of Allah it is a negation or a nullification of their tawheed in reference to this aspect or category of tawheed tawheed al-asma wa sifat the second evidence that the imam mentions wa fi sahih al-bukhari and it has been reported in the sahih of al-bukhari rahimahullah qala aliyun that ali that is ali ibn abi talib radiyallahu anhu the fourth khalifa and the cousin and son of the prophet sallallahu he said he made this statement al-bukhari narrated this statement of ali in a chapter which al-bukhari rahimahullah what he entitled bab man khassa bil ilm qawman duna qawmin yani the one who singles out some people for knowledge yani to teach them some knowledge to the exclusion of others yani that is permissible and sometimes it may be obligatory to give certain knowledge to some people to the exclusion of others because there is some knowledge that is above the intellect of the people they can't bear it and they can't understand it and as Ali mentions in this asr that it may cause them to reject the truth and therefore fall into sin the saying of Ali radiallahu anhu haddithu an-nasa bima ya'rifuna haddithu an-nasa bima ya'rifuna and he speak to the people or narrate to the people that which they can understand ya'rifuna here doesn't mean speak to them or narrate to them only what they already knew before but it means ya'rifuna means ya'qiluna or yafhamuna that which they can understand that which their intellect has the ability to grasp yani teach the people and speak to them and narrate and report to them that which they have the ability to understand not that which is above their intellect which would confuse them and lead them to falling into an act of disbelief he said aturiduna ayyukadzaballahu wa rasuluhu do you want that allah and his messenger would be denied that allah and his messenger would be rejected meaning that the truth that allah has informed us of in the quran or what the prophet sallallahu mentioned in authentic hadith do you want that people would reject it that they would deny it that they would disbelieve in it because you speak to them with something that they can't understand and they said it's impossible not believable so they said it is a lie and they reject that which might in fact be the truth he said do you want and actually in the narration of al-bukhari the expression that is used in bukhari is atuhibbuna atuhibbuna in any case it doesn't change the meaning yani do you love or do you, do you desire or do you like or do you want that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger yani that which they have informed us of in the quran and in the sunnah and especially in reference to the names of allah and his sifat yani the author sheikh muhammad ibn abdul wahhab rahimahullah intended by this statement of ali to point to those who talk about al-asma wa sifat which might be some descriptions of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala might be difficult for the common people to understand and because they cannot understand it they will reject it and then they will fall into disbelief so he intended by this statement to remind us that we should be careful not to speak to the people above their head above what they can comprehend even though what you tell them might be true but it may be a cause for them to reject it and fall into disbelief he said do you want that allah and his messenger be denied or rejected or disbelieved in the sheikh says the general meaning of this hadith is that the khalifa arabia the fourth khalifa ali ibn abi talib radiyallahu anhu has ordered the ahlul ilm the people of knowledge 
that they should guide the people and they should speak to them and they should narrate to them that which their intellect has the ability to grasp and that which their understanding that which their understanding yani what can reach their understanding and to not speak to them about that which their minds do not have does not have the ability to comprehend and he says from amongst those things that perhaps some of the people cannot comprehend is the intricate details of the asma wa la and the sifati yani the details of this science might be difficult for some of the people and if they couldn't understand it it might lead to them denying or rejecting something from the book of allah or from the sunnah of his messenger muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam and therefore it would be a cause of them falling into sin and they would all be destroyed without them being aware yani without being aware of why and what they have done without being aware of it so we should be careful that we don't go above the heads of the people what the people are required to believe in is the general meanings that came in the quran and sunnah without necessarily understanding the intricate and deep details of the matters that other scholars have sometimes discussed in this matter of tawhid and asma wa sifat the shaykh mentions two benefits from this athar or this narration or report from ali radiyallahu anhu the first of them he said that which leads to the haram ma yuaddi ila alharam fa huwa haram whatever leads to what to what is forbidden then that thing which leads to the forbidden is also forbidden if you do something that in and of itself is not prohibited but if it leads to the prohibited then it becomes prohibited because of that reason the second one is that it is not permissible to speak to the people with that which their intellect cannot comprehend or understand and sheikh muhammad ibn salih al faymin in his sharh of kitab tawhid discussed this point and he mentioned that this is not an absolute uh it is not an absolute prohibition that it is not permissible to speak to the people with that which their intellect cannot understand if it is of those matters that are a necessity that the people need to know and have to know then you may speak to them even about that which their intellect cannot comprehend but you should present it in a way with tadarruj little by little making them understand little bit a little bit piece by piece until the whole picture becomes clear to them and he said that this is also uh, a beneficial point in the da'wa that in the ways of da'wa also when we call the people we should be careful not to call to the people to that which they can't understand but call the people to that which they can understand and likewise this may be applied to teaching the sunnah he said rahimahullah he said that uh those acts of sunnah which are unknown to the people we shouldn't just throw it on them at one time but first we should talk about it and teach the people of it before we implement it otherwise they may reject it and deny it the relationship of this author of report of ali radiyallahu anhu to the chapter on the discussion and the general topic of tawhid is that it indicates the prohibition of speaking to the people or narrating to the people that which the intellects cannot comprehend and under this title comes the intricate details or the in-depth matters of asma wa sifat because this might lead to them rejecting it and it will be kufr yani rejecting something which is confirmed in the quran and sunnah and it is a negation 
or it is a nullification of Tawheed al-Asma wa sifat The fourth or the third evidence that the Imam Rahimahullah mentions, he says, Warawa Abdul Razak and his book Al Musannaf, he was a great scholar from Yemen. Warawa Abdul Razak and Ma'amar and Ibn Tawus and Abihi from his father and Ibn Abbasin radiallahu anhuma. Yani he reports an author from that is going back to Ibn Abbas. May Allah be pleased with him and his father. أنه رأى رجلا انتفض لما سمع حديثا عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم تصفاتي استنكارا لذلك. يعني Ibn Abbas he saw a man. That man was trembling and shivering and shaking. انتفض لما سمع أو لما سمع حديثا عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم في الصفات. And he was shaking and trembling when he heard a hadith that was reported from the Prophet ﷺ concerning istifat, concerning the divine characteristics or qualities of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says, istinkaran li And he was trembling and, tra- and trembling and shaking, not out of ta'zeem of Allah, يعني because of the greatness of Allah that was indicated in the istifat, but he was trembling, sh- shivering and shaking in denial of it, yani in rejection of it, in rejection of it. He rejected it, he didn't accept it, he didn't believe in it. فَقَالَ Therefore Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma, he said, مَا فَرَقُوا هَؤُلَاءِ yani What is the fear of these people? What, what kind of fear is it that has entered into the hearts of these people? He said, يَجِدُونَ رِقَّةً عِنْدَ مُحْكَمِهِ وَيَحْلِكُونَ عِنْدَ مُتَشَابِهِهِ Yani what is the fear that has entered the hearts of these people? The fear that entered that man's heart and those who are like him. When they heard a sifa, a characteristic, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has confirmed for himself in the Qur'an, or that has been confirmed in the authentic sunnah of the Prophet And Allah is the one who knows himself best. And of humanity, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu is the one who knows him best. What kind of fear has entered the hearts of these people that caused them to reject that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa has confirmed for him. He said, they find riqtah, yani lean, or qubul, yani acceptance, softness, and acceptance, and iman. When something from the muhkam, the muhkam, that ayat that came in the Qur'an, those things which are very clear, yani which can only have one possible meaning, which do not, yani, they, they cannot be understood in more than one way. They are very clear. And they are the basis of the Qur'an and the basis of the Aqidah and the basis of Islam. He said that they accept it and they believe in it and they are inclined towards it when an ayah comes from the muhkamat. However, يَحْلِكُونَ عِنْدَ مُتَشَابِهِهِ But they are destroyed. يُحْلِكُونَ They are destroyed because they يُنْكِرُونَ Because they deny and they reject it those things that came from the mutashabih, the mutashabihat. And the mutashabihat ayat here that is referred to by Abdul ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah, it is referring to those ayats which have more than one possible meaning. Or those ayats whose indications are not clear. 
and are not understood by many of the people, but may only be understood by the scholars who has, have in-depth knowledge. He said, what is the fear that has entered the hearts of these people that when something from the muhkamat, clear eyes came, they are inclined towards it. And they find softness in their heart. And they accept it and they believe in it. But when another ayat came also from the book of Allah or from the authentic hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, they reject it. And as a result of their rejection and denial of it, they lead themselves to destruction. What is it that has caused them to differentiate? And in some of the narrations of this asr, it has been narrated, مَا فَرَقُوا هَأُولَاءِ And what is the fear that caused them to act in this way? However, in some of the narrations, it is reported, مَا فَرَقَ or مَا فَرَّقَ And this is a fail. And here it means, يعني, what is it that has caused them to differentiate, or, or why have they not differentiated between the truth and the falsehood, or between guidance and that which is astray? Sheikh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen says that this word, مَا فَرَّقَ it may be understood in two ways. As nafi, they have not distinguished or istifham, why have they not distinguished? Yani, why have they not distinguished between truth and falsehood? And accepted that which is true, which came in the Qur'an, whether it is from the muhkamat or the mutashabihat, that which is clear or that which is unclear. It is all from Allah. Or he said, it may mean, they have not distinguished between truth and falsehood. They have not made a distinction. In any case, the intended meaning here of the statement of Abdullah ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhuma, is his rejection. Uh, of those people who separate that which Allah has described himself with and they act one way towards that which they easily understand and another way towards that which they do not understand when what is required of the believer is to accept whatever has come to us in the book of Allah and in the sunnah of the messenger of Allah sallallahu in general and here specifically in reference to the ayat or the ahadith of the sifat or the characteristics, the divine characteristics and qualities of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen says that al-muhkam, it means that which its meaning is clear and there is no unclarity about it. And the mutashabiha, it means that whose meaning, that which its meaning is, is unclear or it is not known to many of the people. These two expressions, al-muhkam and al-mutashabi, also have other meanings. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has described the Qur'an with this expression, al-muhkam, having, meaning a different meaning, that the whole of the Qur'an is muhkam, meaning that the whole of the Qur'an, Allah has perfected it, and there is no defect in it. And He has also described the Qur'an with the expression, mutashabih, having a different meaning than what, we have, than what was intended by Abdul ibn Abbas, in the meaning that mutashabih, He said it means that all of its parts are similar, reinforcing one another, in agreement with one another, no contradiction between them. So these two meanings are not what is intended by Abdul ibn Abbas. But however, knowing that these words have more than one meaning is important, because we might read in the Qur'an that the Qur'an is muhkam, and indeed it is, the whole of the Qur'an is perfect, without any defect in it. And it is also mutashabi, meaning the whole of the Qur'an, parts of it reinforce other parts, and it is similar from one place to another. In one place it talks about Jannah, and another place it talks about Jannah. In one place it talks about the Nair, and another place it talks about the Nair. And they are similar to one another. So these are also two meanings that are applicable to the Qur'an. However, what is intended by Abdullah ibn Abbas here, by the Muhkam and Mutashabi, 
He means those things whose meaning is clear and it is understood by the one who hears it immediately. That is the muhkam and the mutashabi, that which is unclear and it is not understood by many of the people just by hearing it. And, it, and the ruling concerning these two things is that a believer, when he hears them, he makes no distinction between them, but he believes in whatever has been revealed in the Qur'an or in the Sunnah concerning the names of Allah and His characteristics. The Shaykh says in the general meaning of this effort that Abdul ibn Abbas has informed us in this report that he saw a man shivering or shaking when he heard some hadith concerning the sifat or the divine qualities of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that Ibn Abbas yani, refuted him or rejected him uh, for this yani, change in his physical being, his response to hearing something that is truth from the hadith of the Prophet And then he asked, what is with these people? What, what has caused them to fear to such an extent that they make a, a, a distinction between the clear ayat and those which are not clear to them and while all of them are from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they accept those which are muhkam and they believe in them and they reject those which are mutashabih and they reject them he said what is it that has caused these people to act in this way the shaykh mentions here four points derived from this effort the first of them is the obligation of making inkar on the munkar when we see any evil we should act against it yani we should stop it or speak out against it or at least hate it in our heart making inkar against evil is a necessity that is what Abdul ibn Abbas did when he spoke out against this change in the condition of that person in response to what has been revealed of truth from the Prophet number two the obligation of al-iman bi asma'illahi wa sifatihi it is obligatory to have faith in the names of Allah and his characteristics this is an aspect of tawheed it is the foundation of Islam as long as it has been authentically reported from the Prophet even if, something, even if it is something that we never heard before and even if it is something that we never imagined before once we know that it is confirmed then it is obligatory to believe in it indeed, indeed believing in the names of Allah and His characteristics and understanding them and reminding ourselves of them is a way of increasing one's iman and improving one's behavior when we think about the great characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number four, he says the permissibility of mentioning some of those texts, yani ayahs from the Quran or hadith that have been narrated related to the names of Allah and his characteristics, that which came in the Quran and Sunnah, even amongst the common people, not only the students of knowledge or the scholars. The relationship of this effort to the chapter under discussion and the general topic of a tawheed is that it indicates the obligation in every name or every characteristic or quality that has been confirmed for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The last uh, point that the Imam rahimahullah mentions is related to the Sabab and Nuzul of the ayah, the first ayah that he mentioned, the reason for the revelation of that ayah, uh, he says, and that which was reported in the books of Tafsir of Al-Tabari and Ibn Kathir and the books of Hadith, Qurba Abu Dawud and the Tirmidhi, Ibn Hibban al-Hakim and others, he said, وَلَمَّا سَمِيَتْ Quraysh, yani when the people of the Quraysh, or some of them at least, if not all of them, some of them, 
when they heard Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yadhkuru ar-Rahman ankaru thalika when those people from the pagans of Quraysh when they heard the Prophet sallallahu mentioning the name of Allah ar-Rahman when they heard him mentioning that name which they didn't accept and they didn't believe in they rejected it فَأَنزَلَ اللَّهَ فِيهِمْ Then Allah revealed in reference to them وَهُمْ يَكْفُرُونَ بِالرَّحْمَانِ يعني that they disbelieved in that name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Ar-Rahman and The Shaykh says the general meaning of this report is that the narrator of this report informs us that when the Prophet ﷺ mentioned the name Ar-Rahman in that document, that peace treaty, the treaty of Hudaybiyah, when they made a treaty with the pagans, he said that some of the people of Quraysh, they rejected that name. They didn't accept it, claiming that they didn't know this name. And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and he also informs us that and this was the occasion in which this ayah was revealed, and their rejection of this name, Ar-Rahman, and this is an act of disbelief to reject any of the names of Allah, even one of them, or any characteristics of Allah. And he also informs us here that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed on this occasion, and in, this, in reference to this story, this saying, وَهُمْ يَكْفُرُونَ بِالرَّحْمَانِ yani that they fell into disbelief by rejecting or denying one of the names of Allah, that is, Ar-Rahman. The Shaykh mentions two points, or two benefits from this effort, that is, the affirmation of the name Ar-Rahman for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that it is one of his names, and that this name, can, this name contains a characteristic or a sifa that is the sifa of Ar-Rahmah, mercy. One of the names of Allah is Ar-Rahman and one of his characteristics is Ar-Rahmah, mercy. Number two, that whoever rejects or denies any of the names of Allah or his characteristics, then that one will be from amongst those who are destroyed, from amongst the disbelievers. And his rejection of anything of the names of Allah is characteristics is a nullification of Tawheed, the Tawheed of Asma wa Sifat, and it will be a cause of his destruction, and it will, it will be the cause of him yani, entering amongst the disbelievers, yani, he will go out of Islam. The relationship of this uh, report to the, general, to the topic under discussion, the chapter under discussion and general topic of Tawheed, is that it indicates the disbelief of the one who denies anything of the names of Allah or his characteristics because doing so is a nullification of the Tawheed of the names of Allah and his characteristics Tawheed of Asma wa Sifat the, the issues or the Messiah that Imam Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab mentions at the end of this chapter are five the first of them is Adam al-Iman بجهد شيء من من الأسماء والصفات يعني the negation or the, or the absence of iman of the person who denies any of the names of Allah or any of his characteristics that person doesn't have iman it is a nullification of the iman as it is a nullification of tawheed the second point is the explanation of ayat al-ra'ad يعني the ayat that the imam mentioned in the beginning of this chapter that the pagans from amongst the Quraysh disbelieved in the name Ar-Rahman. Yani the explanation of this ayat is that 
when the Prophet ﷺ was sent to them with a revelation and, and, and from that revelation are the names of Allah and His characteristics and from amongst those names are Rahman their rejection of that name is a rejection of what has been revealed by Allah that means they are denying what Allah has said and that is indeed Kufr the third point or the third issue that he mentions is abandoning speaking or narrating that which the listener cannot understand that which the listener does not have the ability to understand that we should avoid talking to the people or teaching the people or narrating to them that which they don't have the ability to comprehend and Sheikh Muhammad rahimahullah, says that this is not an absolute uh, prohibition as, as we mentioned earlier but if it is of those matters that are a necessity that the people know then they should be told but they should be taught it in a way yani, gradually little by little until they can understand it not given to them in a way that is beyond their comprehension number four dhikru al-illah yani, the reason the mention of the reason why the people should not be taught that which they cannot understand it is because this would lead to denial of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam even though the one who denies that which they heard even though they didn't intend to deny the truth of what Allah has said or the truth of his prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam but in denying what has been transmitted by the speaker from Allah and from his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in fact it is a denial of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and an act of kufr therefore the one who teaches the people above their comprehension then that person is a cause for those people possibly to go astray and to fall into this act of denial which is an act of kufr and the last point or the last uh, issue that he mentions is Kalam ibn Abbas yani the statement or the speech of ibn Abbas uh, to those who denied anything yani anything meaning anything of the names of Allah and his characteristics and that they would be destroyed meaning that by their denial of the truth of what Allah has named himself with or that which he has described himself with by denying that uh, they will be denying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and this is an act of disbelief and then alhamdulillah uh, the questions at the end of the handout the first question mentioned briefly the categories or divisions of a Tawheed and as we mentioned on a number of occasions some of the scholars have divided a Tawheed into two divisions and some three divisions however that which is perhaps more common uh, from amongst the people of Sunnah today is the division of a Tawheed into three divisions that is Tawheed Ar-Rububiyyah the Lordship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yani that He is the only Creator and Lord and the one who gives life and death and controls the affairs of the universe and a Tawheed al Uluhiyya or Ubudiyya or Ilahiyya yani the Tawheed that is related to the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only one who deserves worship that any type of worship uh, whatever it may be it is his right alone and it should not be offered to anyone other than him and the Tawheed of Asma wa Sifat yani that singling out Allah for the yani the beautiful names and the lofty characteristics that he has named himself with or described himself with for that which the Prophet ﷺ have named or described him with. The second question explained Tawheed al Asma wa Sifat, yani, uh, explained that particular aspect of Tawheed, and as we said, yani, Tawheed al Asma wa Sifat 
uh, it requires a complete discussion uh, or even more than that uh, but in summary the meaning of Tawheed al-Asma wa-Sifat is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has names which he has named himself with or the Prophet some have named him with and those names in their perfect meaning are the names that belong to him alone and even some of them no one else should be named by them in any case those names that are the exclusive right of Allah alone means that in their perfect form the meaning of perfection it is only ascribed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and there is no one similar or equal to him in those names likewise the characteristics or qualities or actions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are perfect and they have no defect in them and any of the creatures that are described by those descriptions there is no comparison between that description when it applies to the human being for example and when it applies to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that they are different, that Allah is singled out for these names and these characteristics in the perfect form and there is no comparison between uh, how the human beings are described with them in reference to the expression that may be likewise used for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we said that uh, that these descriptions for example they should be understood just as they are without reinterpreting them or distorting their meaning without negating their meaning without making examples or comparison between the creatures as they are described with those meanings in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and without outright negating them, outright negating them yani not reinterpreting them but outright nullifying them and this is kufr that takes the person out of Islam what is the hukum or legal ruling for the one who denies any of the names the asma or sifat of Allah the ruling is that a person who denies them outright as opposed to the person who reinterprets them who understands that it has some other meaning which is an error and it is deviation but it is not outright kufr but the one who denies those names outright or any of the characteristics that are confirmed for Allah in the Quran and Sunnah then this is kufr and that person is a kafir and again the meaning of this kufr uh, it doesn't mean that we should say to any individual that he is a kafir but the ruling for, for that action is that it is an action of kufr and the person who does it in general is a kafir mention the sabab and nuzul or the reason for the revelation of the verse وَهُمْ يَكْفُرُونَ Rahman that they denied or they disbelieved in Ar-Rahman meaning the name that name of Allah Ar-Rahman the reason for this revelation was in the treaty between the Prophet Sallallahu and the pagans of Mecca the treaty of Hudaybiyyah when the Prophet Sallallahu told the scribe to write Bismillah Ar-Rahman Rahim the representative of Quraysh he denied he didn't agree to this name being included he said we don't know this name so that denial of a name of Allah on that occasion is what is referred to yani, in this ayat or it was the reason for the revelation according to those reports which came in tafsir and hadith explain the statement of Ali radiallahu anhu when he said narrate to the people with that which they can understand do you desire that Allah and his messenger be denied the meaning of this statement is that Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu is reminding the scholars and the people of knowledge and those who teach the people that they shouldn't teach the people that which is beyond their ability to comprehend that which they cannot understand which could be a cause if what he is teaching them is true especially from the names of Allah and the sifat of Allah and those things which are part of the requirements of Islam denying that person's statement is a denial of the truth of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said or his prophet sallallahu and this would lead that person to fall into kufr therefore he's warning the people to speak to the common masses 
on the level that they can understand so that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his speech or his book or the Prophet and his hadith would not be rejected, disbelieved in or denied. What did Ibn Abbas anhuma reject in the action of the man who trembled at hearing a hadith related to as-sifat? Yani what he rejected was that that person was trembling in rejection or in disbelief of that which has been reported about the sifat of Allah authentically an authentic hadith of the Prophet and that person is rejecting it he is saying that why are they making a distinction or a differentiation between that which they understand and that which they do not understand while all of it is from Allah and from his messenger Muhammad yani there is no distinction between the muhkamat and the mutashabihat all of it is from Allah and all of it it is required for the believer to accept whether he understands it or not explain the highlighted words in the statement of Ibn Abbas, they find rikta or acceptance in the muhkam verses and are destroyed due to his mutashabi verses. Yani that these people who make a distinction between that which is clear and that which is unclear, though it has been revealed by Allah or it has been reported authentically from the Prophet ﷺ, especially in reference to Asma wa Sifat, that these people in their rejection, in their acceptance of that which they understand and rejection of that which they don't understand, even though it is true, it is the cause of their destruction. So it is not right for us to make any distinction between them, but we must believe in all of it. Mention some of the important principles or rules related to Tawheed, Asma wa Sifat. From amongst them we said that the text of Quran and Sunnah, it is required for a believer to accept whatever has come to us in the Quran and Sunnah authentically, especially in reference to Asma wa Sifat and in general it is required to believe in it and to accept it on its face value without any reinterpretation or distortion that doesn't have any proof likewise we said that from the important principle is that the names of Allah are all husna that they are all good names, beautiful names, names of perfection and we said that the names of Allah are not limited to 99 but Allah has many names some of them are known to some of his creatures and some are known to others, and some are only known to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, and as for the sifat of Allah, that all of His characteristics are characteristics of perfection, of goodness, um, and that His characteristics are divided into those which are confirmed. The, that which is perfect and correct, it is confirmed for Him. And that which is of defect, yani what indicates a shortcoming or imperfection, it is negated from Him. Yani there are two types of characteristics, that which he affirms for himself and that which he negates from himself. He affirms all that is perfect and he negates any imperfection. Uh, we also said that the sifat of Allah are divided into uh, the dhatiya and fi'liya, that which is yani, those descriptions of him that are not, not separated from him, the descriptions of his divine being and that which are descriptions of his actions, yani, which are related to his will that he does whenever he wills. And the last uh, question mentions some of the fawaid, benefits or ahkam, legal rules derived from this chapter, which we mention with each evidence. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika, ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta, astaghfiruka wa tubu If the sisters have any questions, you may send them. I think uh, you have a question? Statement? Correction? You heard the adhan. Jazakallah <laughs> khair. Brothers, have any comments or any question or correction?
نعم Not limited, not limited to Asma wa Sifat, but in reference to this particularly, because the matters of Asma wa Sifat, the detailed matters of Asma wa Sifat might not be understood by everyone. And some of the characteristics that have been reported from the Prophet ﷺ may be difficult for the people to understand. These things, if they are taught to the people, they should be taught to those who can understand or they should be taught in a way that they can understand it. And if, for example, if you said to some people, and we have found, especially... Yani amongst new Muslims, but not only amongst new Muslims. We have found, for example, um, if you said to someone that Allah has a hand, they might say, how can it be that Allah has a hand? But the Prophet ﷺ have reported it, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have informed us of this, from himself. So, if that thing is mentioned to someone, it should be explained to them. If you said that Allah descends to the lowest heaven of this world, maybe they will say, how can he descend? Maybe they will understand it in a way that is wrong. They may think that then Allah is not above His throne. If He descends to the Lord seven, He cannot also be above His throne at the same time. Maybe they cannot comprehend this. So rather than discussing those things that with the people who may not understand it, it is better to leave it. If it is necessary to explain it, then it should be. I mean, if it's necessary to present it, it should be presented in a way that the people who, who is being addressed can understand it. But it is not limited to Asma wa Sifat. It is in general. As we mentioned, as Sheikh Muhammad ibn Sa'id Uthaymin rahimahullah said, that we may also understand from this, from this statement of Ali a general principle. And that is that we should never go above the people in whatever we say or do. In our da'wah, we should call them to that which they can understand. And not call them to that which they cannot understand. There are things about Islam that if we were talking to somebody, calling them to Islam... Maybe at that time they would never understand it. But if they entered Islam and believed in Allah and reached a certain level of Iman and knowledge, then they would be able to understand it and accept it. And likewise, in the Sunnah, some of the Sunnah that the people might practice, which is unknown amongst a certain people or amongst people in a certain place, if somebody practiced it amongst them without informing them first of it, maybe they would reject it and they would fight, fight against it and they would oppose it. Some brothers got, almost got into a physical confrontation in Jeddah, in Saudi Arabia, where people, you would think, know the Sunnah. You would think... And they came into the masjid with their shoes on. And they said, this is sunnah. And it was wrong for them to do so. Especially in this day and time. And even though the Prophet ﷺ, he said, oppose the disbelievers. And the disbelievers didn't uh, pray with their shoes on. He said, pray with your shoes on. But it has to be understood. When should it be applied? And how should it be applied? So, it's not limited to Asma wa Sifat. But it is a general rule that we should address the people. And we should deal with the people in a way that would not cause them to reject the truth. If you present the sunnah to a people in a way that they cannot understand it or they have never heard it and they would fight against it and oppose it, then you would be the cause of the people going astray and rejecting the truth. So it is general, it is not limited to this. But the reason why we mention Asma wa Sifat is because the author, Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab rahimahullah, he mentioned this report in reference to Asma wa Sifat. That is the chapter that he is discussing and he uses it as a proof for this point of this chapter. However, it is not limited to this, to this subject alone. Now, so we should uh, re refine ourselves to the things that are the basics, the important issues, and, and present it in a way that they can understand it. And we shouldn't discuss the complex system of economics in Islam, or such things. And we should talk to them about Tawheed. 
about believing in the one who created everything and that he alone should be worshipped. This is what we should talk about. This is the main issue, the prophethood of Muhammad The truth of the Qur'an. These are basic issues that people can understand. And if we know how to present it, then people will understand it. And if they are seeking the truth, they will accept it. And if they are not seeking the truth or if they are following their desires, even though they understand it, they may reject it. But our point is to present to them what they can understand in a way that they can understand it so that they will have no excuse. Fadl. MashaAllah. <laughs> this is ruling on people who call the hand of Allah the power of Allah. We said that the rejection of the names or characteristics of Allah, of, uh, they are of different types. Yani we can say in general, just to make it simple, that there are those who reject it outright, who deny it yani completely. And there are those who might reinterpret it or explain it away in some other way. Both of them are denial in the end. But they are not equal. Those who give an explanation or a reinterpretation or a false distorted interpretation such as the hand of Allah, Yadullah, that it means, um, uh, what did you say? Power of Allah or something like this. Then uh, it is a deviation because uh, it is not the meaning that is immediately understood in Arabic language. Although it might, could be understood in that way even in Arabic language. However, it, is not, it has not been explained in this way by the early generation of the Muslims, by the Prophet or Sahaba or those who came after them. And uh, there is no proof for, for that expression in that place having that meaning. Therefore, we reject it. So it is, the ruling is that it is a deviation. It is a deviation in Tawheed and we don't say that they are out of Islam. Again, the truth, they don't like it, uh-huh, you should say it, if they don't like it, well, maybe, yani, I don't think you mean to say that if there is a truth that people don't like, then that, for that reason you should say it to them, you don't mean that, <laughs> yani, the truth should be said even if the people don't like it. Naam, the truth should be said even if the people don't like it. But it should be said at the time that is appropriate. At the time and in the way that is appropriate. There is no benefit in saying the truth in a way that you know it will be rejected. That the people will never accept it. But it should be said at the proper time. Yani wisdom should be used in teaching the people the truth. Wisdom should be used. For example, you want to tell a person that... Uh, he shouldn't have pictures in his house or he shouldn't be listening to music. Should you tell him at the time while he is engaged in that act or at another time when he is not directly engaged in it where he might have a chance to think about it. Maybe at the time while he is doing it if you will approach him at that time he might immediately just reject what you are saying out of emotions because it is, and it is speaking against him and something that he has no way to consider or to think about or to reflect upon. So the timing also has to be any considered. Although in some cases it may be that even though the people won't like it, that it has to be said. There's some time that the truth may have to be said and there's no other chance to say it. Maybe you will not get another chance to say it and you have to say it. 
Because if you don't say it then, maybe you will never see the person again. And they won't know. There are many factors that have to be considered. But there is no ab- absolute rule that the truth has to be said on every occasion, no matter what, without any consideration. No, it is not so. It is not so. In fact, speaking the truth, commanding the good, forbidding the wrong, there are principles and there are rules that have to be considered. If commanding the good, or forbidding the wrong, or speaking the truth, would bring about more harm than the benefit that you are trying to achieve, then it is not right to do so. It is not right to do so. In that case, it is prohibited to do so. Yani you command somebody to do good, and in commanding them to do good, it leads them to be worse. Then what is the benefit? The objective is to help people, to correct the problem. But if in trying to correct the problem, you make a worse problem, then it is wrong to do so. It is wrong to do so. But only if the harm that would come about is less than the benefit that you are trying to achieve, then you may do it, even if some harm came from it. But if the harm is equal to it, or the harm is greater than it, then it should not be done. So there are factors that have to be considered. It cannot be said outright that you have to, every time you saw wrong, you have to say something. And every time uh, you saw somebody you know, falling short in that which is obligatory, you have to say something immediately at that time. You have to consider if what they are doing, is it uh, really prohibited for them? Maybe it is something generally prohibited and they have a legal excuse for it. Or something that is obligatory, maybe they are excused from it. You have to consider the person. You have to consider the circumstances. You cannot just uh, always immediately without consideration order somebody to do. The Prophet ﷺ, he saw a man come into the masjid and he sat down. A man came in the masjid and sat down. The Prophet ﷺ didn't order him to get up and pray to rakah. And it is obligatory on a person who enters the masjid that they should pray before sitting. And they should not sit without praying. But the Prophet ﷺ asked him first, have you prayed to rakah? He asked him first to know what is the condition of that person. And that is to teach us that first we should know the condition of the person before we order them, before we prohibit them, before we speak to them with what we consider to be the necessary truth. We have to know the condition of the person, we have to know the circumstances, and we have to consider if doing or saying what we say at that time is going to be beneficial or more harmful. And Allah knows best. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk.